the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 20 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Good morning. Good day. Hey. What do you want to talk about? I recently kind of learned that people see some of my content as repetitive and they like that because it gives them a chance to always focus in on you know the simple things and I appreciate someone telling me that um, I develop a lot of content for you financial content money content I think I do the very best that I can um, part of my goal is my main goal is to get you to retirement because no one else is doing this Jim Cramer's a joke with his day trading mentality you can't do that can you hit a home run or two? Sure. Can you strike out in the end? Probably going to ground out a lot. I was looking at a portfolio from a man who sent me his portfolio last night. And uh, my email address is rob at robblack.com. He had probably 70 positions. He had a Fidelity low beta value fund. It was just, it was kind of insane. So, how many positions should you have? I look at it as two types of portfolios that you should have. One portfolio that exposes you to growth, and one portfolio that protects you from downside. It's kind of like an, an option strategy where you buy a put and a call in the same stock, thinking that it might go lower, but it also might go higher, and it will probably do both in your lifetime. So that's something I believe in as an investor. Again, I was alarmed by how many positions this guy had. And some of them were very, very good names. But some of them were just spec. Some of them were cyclical. Some of them were, you know, why did he buy it then? Oh, my. So I have what I would refer to as a manifesto. I think communists should have manifestos. I think investors should have manifestos. Karl Marx. I'm going to botch this story, I'm sure, but there's a a cemetery in London called Highgate Seminary. Oh, good God. Am I missing teeth? Why am I slurring? I know I'm slurring. So there's a cemetery in London called Highgate Cemetery. And it's one of those tourist attractions that you really wouldn't 
be able to find if you look for it. I think it's the coolest cemetery in the world. I know you're saying, really? Yeah. Like, Rod Stewart bought a plot so that he could be buried there. What's cool about it is it's not really kept up well. So it kind of looks like a jungle. But it's also a nature reserve. But it's also where dead people go to lie. It was dedicated to St. James in 1839. There's a lot of Gothic tombs, a lot of buildings. Uh, they'll be like, you know, I'm telling you, it's not really kept up that well. There's one of those toothless grave diggers that you only see in Scooby-Doo. Sweet! That you'll be like, hey, where's... um. Egyptian Avenue. I heard something about Egyptian Avenue. Um, Douglas Adams, buried there. He of Hitchhiker's Guide. Patrick Caulfield, painter. Tons of musicians, tons of artists. Herbert Spencer. And then there's this tomb for Karl Marx. And it's this incredibly big head of Karl Marx. I don't know. You're saying, you're gloomy. But trust me, when you see a statue of an angel that's fallen over, and the only thing left of it is its hand sticking out of weeds, it's pretty cool. So Highgate Cemetery. Okay, okay. Back to my manifesto. The proletariat, plebeians, communist manifesto, right? You should have a manifesto as an investor. I want you to get to retirement. How do you do it? You invest. So you start with, I am an investor. I'm not a trader. I'm not a speculator. I'm not in it for four years and I'm out while the market goes down. I am an investor. But that's part one of your manifesto. Okay, you know the cop killer in LA? He's got a manifesto. Maybe only crazy people, communists, and Rob Black have manifestos, but you should have a manifesto. We should write down stuff that means something to you. Not only am I an investor, but I'm a saver. Kills me! Car has little problems. Oh, it's okay, I have savings. You got a dental bill that you weren't really expecting. Oh, it's okay, I got savings. So not only am I an investor, but I'm a saver. I look at my income as how much of this can I invest and how much of this can I save. Of course, I'm also a consumer. I know that any type of asset class entails risk. Anything over 10%, which is historically what the stock market averages on a yearly basis, anything over 10% returns in stocks are, are risky. Real estate typically, historically, averages 4 to 5%. So anyone expecting more than that you're nuts. You're crazy. You're silly. You're sick. So quit trying to get for the biggest return on something that historically does something that you can see. So I know that everything has risk. There's no free lunch. There's no wealth gurus. The higher the risk, the higher the reward? No. The higher the reward, just the higher the risk. 
they're not really correlated other than that risk is still there. I accept that. So I understand that tomorrow I can come in and the market can be crushed. It can be down. My house is a place to live. It is not an investment. I recently heard Robert Schiller say, and this is just, it's, it's fun conversation. I know you're saying, you don't get naked and talk to a sugar booger about housing, do you? Maybe I do. Maybe I do. But Robert Schiller said, you know, owning your own house, it may be a financial risk. It may be a financial liability. It may not be what you think it is. Maybe some people should be renters. My dentist has a wife, a couple kids, and he told me recently, he's a good-looking dentist. And I'm skewing now towards I like younger dentists versus older dentists. I like my dentist in that sweet spot of 30 to 40. I don't like my dentist older than that because they're all using old practices that are like 16th century witchcraftian, crazy, voodoo, file-your-teeth kind of stuff. I want the guy who went to UCLA. I want the guy who knows how to play video games. I want the guy who knows some of the newer technologies in dental technology. So he had a house that he was renting with his wife and two kids for $2,000 a month in Los Altos. Just recently decided to buy a house in Los Altos for $8,000 a month. That's a big difference. I invest on a regular basis. You know how they say being regular is a wonderful thing? Eat some wheat every day. Eat some grains. Get some multigrains in you. Oral wheat is a bread maker. They've got a, a wonderful bread that's called double, double grains. Makes you regular. It's a good thing. Investing on a regular basis is a good thing. Be regular. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back again. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I listen to our show on the station. Because I've had a day of driving. You know those days that just stink. Where you have to go to Walnut Creek, to San Jose, to San Francisco, back down to... And you're like, ugh. I was listening to our show on the station that, would, that made the mistake of predicting the winner of the Super Bowl, <laughs> but the show aired the day after the Super Bowl. And let's just say they guessed wrong. Oh, you know, it's, I don't know. Investors and manifestos and, and knowing who you are as an investor. This stems from, someone sent me an email that I was going through. And it had all of his holdings. And it, honestly, it had like 60 holdings. And I don't know how he can handle it. I can intimately follow 60 stocks, but this is what I do for a living. This is, you know, my bread and butter. This is my life. This is my life. 
I can casually look at another two, three, four hundred. I can quickly glance at things and tell you, you know, just an off-the-cuff opinion. Like, for instance, if you look at Zynga and their balance sheets, pretty bad. But if you know they're, you know, introducing gambling, then you're like, well, I'd like to accept some, some pretty bad. Again, not a stock I recommend. It's maybe they got some good news in the pipeline. So I want you to write down things that you believe in. You're an investor. You're a saver. You know, every asset class has risk. Every asset class has historical returns that you can go look at. Anything higher above those, you start to exponentially increase your risk. I don't want you to accept increased risk, you know, without knowing that it's increased risk. But also I understand that, you know, to get to retirement, I'm going to have to expose myself to some risk. My house is a place to live. It's not a substitute for retirement. It's not a piggy bank. Unless, of course, you live in a giant piggy bank. And you can say my house is a piggy bank. I would love if someone who knows how to make pots, clay, would make me a big piggy bank house to live in. 2,000 square feet, please. My neighbors would love that. Hey, new construction coming in. What is that? It's a piggy bank. I live in it. Okay, group of people are starting to hate construction workers. Always parking in front of your house. Change it up on occasion. Yeah, I know street parking, public parking and such. Just change it up on occasion. Um, I don't pour money into things that have been working really, really well. Because I understand that things won't always work so well. So I don't chase performance. For me, I'm not a very good dancer, so my ability to like jump in if I see like a a beautiful woman break dancing and popping all the moves and you know doing the gaga make me lose my mind up if I see that I'm not jumping in. I want the frumpy girl in the corner who doesn't know how to dance because then we're we're at the same speed. So don't chase performance. Don't you're going from zero to sixty with with no acceleration. You're just in. As much as I want to be right, I spread my investments into many areas. Several asset classes. My equities are diversified. I like income stocks. I can't lie. George Washington once said, I cannot tell a lie. I don't really believe he said that. He chopped down a cherry tree. Who who hates cherry trees so much that he chops them down? I mean, come on. They, they, they bear fruit that has a sexual connotation. Cherry trees. Who chops down cherry trees? I cannot tell why. I personally like income stocks. I like my $100 to have something that's getting a 3 4 5% yield. So my $3, $4, and $5 that I just got for my $100 investment this year, that $3, $4, and $5 will get 3 4 5 6% next year. But my $100 is still there, and it'll get 3 4 5% as well. So my money makes little baby monies. My money has unprotected uh, yield sex is the best way of saying it. It, it, it. The money yields more money. I like that. Now, of course, some of it's taken away by our tax man, but that's okay. I don't mind paying taxes. 
That's part of my manifesto as well. When I pay taxes, it means I made money. What I don't like is, oh, good golly, I forgot to set aside tax money, and now I owe the IRS a lot of money. I don't like that surprise, and that's happened to us all. Um, I'm kind of a yin and yang of investors. That means I seek balance. So every quarter, every year, at some point in time, you have to rebalance your portfolio. So in the world of mutual funds, if you're, you know, winners won and your losers lost, you take some off the winners and put some back into the losers. Your dollar cost averaging into your plan. You're cutting down on the risk of the pullback because the, the losers have already pulled back, in theory, if you did your homework right. But you're also taking some gains that, in theory, it's been outperforming for you. So you, you rebalance. I force myself to do that. Because trust me, I, like you, would like to go all in. It's human nature. I love playing poker with people who go all in on the first hand. Like, come on, the game could end right here. And it can when you go all in. That's why you don't do it. Stocks are risky in the short term, but in the long run, there's been nothing that's matched the performance of stocks. Historically. Stocks lose some of their risk over time, but short-term, they feel pretty risky. They feel pretty volatile. Maria Bartiromo. We could do away with CNBC, and everyone would become a better investor. Because people would stop looking at stocks on a daily basis. When I was a kid, maybe 10% of your money went into foreign investments. In large part because the world was crazy. You know, Vietnam, it was ending. There was a Berlin Wall. Communists lived behind it. But that's not the case so much now. So I own more foreign stocks. And as I get older, and as America gets older, I'll probably own more foreign stocks. I never use margin. It's part of my manifesto. Uh, invest not without own. I know you're saying that's the worst old English I've ever heard. Okay, fair enough. But when you borrow money to invest money, it sounds like a bad idea when I say it like that. But when your stock workers, hey, you want to open up a margin account? Uh, it's a great way to buy more stocks. You're like, sweet. Don't do it. I've got a game plan that just because something bad happens or something wonderful happens I don't change my game plan I'd like any money on Wall Street Business Network AM 1220 KDOW Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Going over the basic concept that I got an email recently from someone who had about 60 positions and he's fine doing it himself and ultimately he's done okay. He's accumulated wealth. Some would say he 
probably thought he was smarter than he was, and some would say he just probably got took advantage of the market. What struck me is guy has absolutely no plan. If he were to try to write it down, he couldn't. He's kind of got a hodgepodge. He's kind of over-diversified, in my opinion. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. If you want to pick up the phone, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I was up late last night doing uh, emails. Some days I'll actually work till 11, 12 p.m. Midnight. Midnight. Um, where do I go with this? So have a, a manifesto. Can you draw out what your financial strategy looks like? Can you show me how you pick a stock or a bond or mutual fund? Or is it gut? Not, not a big fan of the gut investment plan. Unless we're talking about investing in beer. And then it's not so bad. Hazard's got a new Elmo that hugs you back. Whatever happened to tickling? Did tickling somehow become inappropriate? Are we now down to hugs? Cheryl Sandberg, one of the top execs at Facebook, told a story in her book, which I would like to book a little bit more of as a coloring book or a scratch and sniff book. These biographies about executives in the world of tech are bleh. But she said that when she got to Facebook, that there was a nasty rumor being spread about her, and it really hurt her. In Zucks, Z, the man of Z-Stinia, told her, don't worry, no one believes it. Do you need a hug? And that's when their relationship started to take off. Do you need a hug? I think I'm going to try that today. I worked in an office with eh, probably nine guys, two women. How many hugs do you think I'd get if I asked everyone, do you need a hug? Somehow, I don't think I got the Zucks charisma. Why did she try it today at work? You know that cute girl that she's been eyeballing the last couple months? Or that executive that you... Wish would leave his wife so he would marry you. Try it. How about a hug? Or do you need a hug? Or even better, it looks like you need a hug. Okay, okay, okay. Um, financial commandments. Just do your best to play with me on this one and say that I'm going to develop a manifesto. I can start writing some of the stuff down. I have a plan. Financial security is ultimately what I try to preach. I recently had a pricey dental issue come up. Uh, no bother to me because I've got that financial security. Invest in yourself. I did. In my 20s, I made a career change that basically open me up to unlimited earnings. So when you do a job interview and they offer you ten, twenty thousand dollars more to potentially leave, that's like investing in yourself 
$200,000 in 10 years. That's not a bad return if you can get that kind of raise. Education job skills help you get raises. So instead of watching Snooky, instead of watching, oh my, Jules got a, a family crazy reality show. Honey Boo Boo. Which if you watch Honey Boo Boo, seriously, your brain is dying while you're sitting there. It's die. It's committing suicide. It's committing committing brainal suicide. I know you're like, were you searching for the word cerebral? I was. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. You caught me. But take a class. Uh, if you're single, take like a hula class or take a, you know, a video games class or personal finance class. Watch out for the personal finance classes. One trick of the personal finance industry is that people who are like insurance agents will go teach a personal finance class and then just try to get you as clients, which is kind of bogus. Protect yourself and your loved ones is part of financial security. A lot of people are woefully uninsured. If you have a child and you don't have term life insurance, I think you're ignorant. To me, you know that feeling like when you're first in love? You're lost in love and you don't know why. And you're just looking at her and you're like, man, she's beautiful. And then she pulls out a cigarette and you're like, oh, no, no. That's the image I get when people tell me that they have a kid without term life insurance. Like, no, blah. Over. You're lost in love and you don't know why. And she's so beautiful and you start to head towards the bedroom and kissing. And then you open your eyes and you see that Kiyosaki book on her bookshelf. Oh no, excuse me, I got I got painful, painful gas. Borrow money sparingly. I borrow money for a house. I borrowed money for college. Both of them are great tax savings vehicles. Both of them offer me something over the long term. But borrow money sparingly. Pay yourself first. You will run out of money every single month, every single paycheck, unless you're filthy, stinking rich. You need to put 15% into your 401k before you do anything. You need to look at your discretionary spending. I tend to like a beer called Lagunitas Maximus. It's eleven ninety nine for a six-pack. That, that's not cheap. Instead of drinking the eleven ninety nine six-pack, what I've started doing is getting an IV. I tap my vein. And I just put one, two, three drops into my blood system, and I'm trashed. It's a great way of saving money. Instead of buying a six-pack, you just get an IV, tap your vein. Now, you, of course, you can kill yourself doing this. So be careful introducing pure alcohol into your blood system like that. Because, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good buzz, but yeah, yeah, you could die of alcohol poisoning pretty quickly. Rob Black does not condone or endorse... Dying of alcohol poisoning. 
to the alley. Alley. Hello. 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 Hi, Rob. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've got a question. So, uh, it was. It's a. Uh, what would Rob Black do? Question. Oh, good God. <laughs> I want to know what Tim Tebow would do to the answer of this question. But go ahead. So I bought my house a year and a half ago for eight hundred. Yes. Um, I owe ninety percent, so I put ten percent down, and uh, so I, I tried to refinance, and uh, the the appraised value went down to seven sixty. And good job, uh, loser. Yeah. So uh, I'd have to put down what like uh, almost hundred thousand because I owe seven hundred now. Yeah. I'd have to put down a hundred thousand uh, to get it to eighty percent. I, I would have since saved months. Money right now, I'm paying uh, what forty three hundred a month. Yeah. And so, uh, but but I, I think realistically, um, I'm wondering if I I could get it to eighty two and a half percent. So by putting down just seventy five thousand, my interest rate is four percent. I'm wondering if it would be worth it to go ahead and, and refinance at that, or just wait and see if the market will pick up. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a couple answers and thanks for the okay. call. Um, I personally would not move. $100,000 into a house. If you have a mortgage and you can service that mortgage, you're fine. I don't think rates go crazy next year. I I think they come off record lows. If you're interested in the record lows and interested in saving interest, do it. I'm not interested in saving interest payments. I like having a low monthly mortgage. You have to do the math on how long it will take you to repay the expenses of that loan. Uh, if you're going to be in the house for a long period of time, you may want to consider it. But I would never rob from my retirement to do a scenario like that. Now, keep in mind, every dollar that you put in your house, yes, you save 15% of interest payments in the future over a 30-year period. But every dollar that you put into a house over a 30-year period, you lose the opportunity to earn 40%. Stocks beat bonds, bonds beat real estate. So basically you're saying with this 100000 I'm going to go for a lower rate of return but also, your house is going to go up or down, whether you put that money in there or not. What would Rob Black do? I would run the scenario with a lender. And if you have enough, say, for retirement, and you can get a significantly lower rate, and a significantly lower rate could be paid off in a two, three, four-year time period from the cost of the, the second refi or the refi on the house, consider it. Again, I think you take an, a crazy amount of risk when you give money to a bank to hold it. You move it from your balance sheet to theirs. Let's say you get cancer and a big watermelon starts growing out your ear and you've got to go to Mexico for a radical watermelon removal cancer surgery and you need cash fast. They ain't going to be the one to give it to you. I'm Rob Black. Hey, I'm committed. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. We're a very expensive, high class radio production company. Let me uh, 
do one of my sound effects. There you go. Some people think of it as, it seems pretty early to be drinking. Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Words to live by. Um, some things that I like talking about, again, I'm a little bit off base, and I know that, is I want you to have rules to live by. This whole hour, I'm responding to an email where someone has 60 stocks, and he runs a company. That's too much. I truly believe that you could accumulate wealth with 20 stocks and maybe three, four, five, ten funds, whatever you're comfortable with. But some of them have to be just like stupid assets that you know you're acquiring that you don't have to check up on. And what I mean by that is like a a Russell 2000 fund. That's small caps. You buy growth, you buy value. I don't know all 2,000 holdings in the Russell. I know I'm buying small caps. I know I'm buying something that doesn't have international exposure. My large cap dividend yielding stocks I know typically do have international exposure. Pretty stupid, but I'm good with that basic concept. So, over-diversification, not a good thing. Under-diversification, not a good thing. Dating someone with a freakishly odd smile, not a good thing. Someone who spikes their hair, probably not going to age well when that hair starts to fall out. Plan ahead. It's my number one piece of advice for people who are 20 or 30. You're going to buy a house at some point. You're going to make babies at some point. And trust me. Trust me. Howard Stern married... Just a, he's 57, and he married like a 40-year-old woman. But when they married, he was like 52, and she was 35. We don't have, want to have kids. We don't want to have kids. All of a sudden, she wants to have kids. You're going to have kids. They're going to be expensive. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. If you got spaded. How come we don't spade people? Um... It's a fun word to say. Spade. Neutered, not so fun to say. Neutered just sounds wrong. Live within your means. So plan ahead when you're young. You're going to need income when you retire. You're going to buy a house, and that's going to cost money. And you're going to make babies, and they're $330,000 from age 0 to 17. Live within your means. If your paycheck's 3000 just call it 2700 and you're saving 10%. So your paycheck's 2700 Live off that. I know you're saying, but I work in radio. My paycheck is losing one of those zeros, so it's not three thousand a month; it's three hundred a month. Okay, then live off two seventy. You still got to plan ahead. Live within your means. I saw the killers in Vegas, and I unbelievable expensive. Oh, I just spade something, just so you know. Does not involve David Spade. You know Kate Spade bags? She's related to David Spade. That's a true story. Did you know that she sold her business and that is not even a part of it? Sold it to a big international company. Live within your means, okay? Okay, 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 okay. I know people who are in their 30s who go to raves, and I laugh at you. 
Blur. Blur. Oh, I just pulled a rip. Um, live within your means. There's no shame in, like, okay, 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 okay. So I dated this woman named Judy. She was my college sweetheart that I probably should have married. Um, but I wasn't ready to. I, I didn't find my, my intelligence. I didn't find my business common savviness. I didn't start making up words. I didn't overuse pronouns. No, I did overuse pronouns. Don't overuse pronouns. Bad grammar is bad grammar. A friend of mine sent out a business email, and it had the worst. It, every other sentence was a pronoun. Every other word was a pronoun. I mocked it. So I don't mind pronouns. Well, you should, because you look like you're, you've got a sixth grade writing skill. So live within your means. Live within your means. Find something that you don't need anymore. Okay, back to Judy. Back to Judy. So when I was dating her, I thought I had to take her to dinner. I thought I had to take her to movies. I thought I had to take her to New York. I thought I had to do Broadway and stuff like that, right? I thought I had to impress her. All she wanted to do was sit on the couch and draw each other. And you know what I'm saying by draw each other. She was a sketch artist. I was a sketch artist. Corn chips and drawing each other. It's going to lead to good things. Probably would have made a baby. Probably would have got married, but nope. Oz in the rat race. Had to succeed. Had to succeed now. Had to be the perfect boyfriend. Oh. Don't buy into Valentine's Day. Neither one of you. Stop buying into that crap. If I say that long enough, someone's going to believe me. Um, I have it. That's the best thing you could do when you're in your 20s and 30s. Is start making savings a habit. If you take your $300 paycheck and save 30 every paycheck, it's a habit. It's a good habit. In your 20s, I give you permission to have some credit card problems because I, I think you learn from them. You learn that they are horrific. You learn that the credit card companies are, are not evil, but they don't back off. When you owe the money, every single day they'll call you. In your 20s and 30s, I want you to make some mistakes with credit cards, and I want you to make some mistakes investing. Go ahead and buy that stock. That's going to be the next Google. Next Google's Google. Because you have to learn. You know, you touch an electric socket enough, you're going to stop touching an electric socket. If you invest badly enough, you're going to stop investing badly. Just don't give up on it. And sometimes in your 20s and 30s, cut that umbilical financial cord where you somehow always seem to be asking people for money. Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Real estate. Oh my. When you start talking about the word real estate, different words are going to come into your head. Apartments, rents, appraisals maybe, consultants, finance and mortgage, for sale by owner. Ah, the old for sale by owner. You know the guy that launched the TMZ show, also launched the Glenn Beck show and the Ellen DeGeneres show? I want to meet this guy. Um, home ownership, jobs, real estate agents. A lot of words are going to certainly come out of the, the thought of the word real estate. 
Real estate is property consisting of land and a building, typically. It's real property. It's, in theory, they're not making any more of it. But anyone who tells you that they're not making any more of it, drive to Sacramento, and there's plenty of it. If you drive from San Francisco to Sacramento or to Tahoe, you'll see a lot of land out there. And then you'll see, like, they are making more land because, like, military bases that get shut down turn into future housing projects. Or the the Pony Place, Belmont, not Belmont. Uh, what was the racetrack here in the Bay Area? Belmont? No. Gold. Bay Meadows, there you go. It's in Belmont. That gets shut down and turned into apartments. Worst thing you ever want to see if you own real estate in a town that has a racetrack or something like that is having them shut down the racetrack and put in apartments and condos. The more housing near you, the less value your home has. I know. It's a crazy concept. It's all about supply, and less supply is good for the demand when it comes. Real estate, real property. Um, You know, it goes back to the fiefdoms and the Dark Ages. Was there a Dark Ages? There wasn't a Dark Ages, but let's just say there was a Dark Ages. Back in the Dark Ages, Sauron ruled the countryside of England, and he basically said, no one could have land but me. And then somehow a king came in and said, I'll give away the land. And King Python basically said, everyone gets land, and everyone started buying land, and people loved the idea because they once didn't have land, or rightstone land. You can transfer the title now. It doesn't go back to the... the the government. So anyway, you get the idea. It's very Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. Okay, okay. Now you and I have been known to wager a few dollars on the ponies. Yes. Some people bet numbers like 472. Some people look at the pony and go, ooh, that look, one looks like it's going to run fast. I've never made money betting on ponies. I haven't either. So thus, I've decided not to bet on ponies. But do you agree with my concept about the supply and demand of there is a lot more supp- there's a lot more potential land than we think there is? There is, and uh, you, you definitely see it as you get farther out that urban sprawl, uh, so to speak. You, the farther you get out, the more homes you're going to get uh, built, and the prices are lower. So it it really does show how the inner city areas, places like the Peninsula, places in any other city, a large city. Uh, especially when they're nice neighborhoods and good school districts start rising in price while the other homes farther away go down. That's because they can build out there. You can't. It's such high demand for these lots. There's a place over here in um, in the Bay Area where there, there's a naval, um, an old uh, naval hospital that has probably about 100 acres. They're going to build a, a bunch of property there, uh, and it, and that's rare. So they're going to go at high dollar. But I, I I do agree with your concept that if they do come in and they build a property that's better and more of, yeah. it's going to drive your prices down. It can. And not only that, it creates more traffic. Um, it creates other other kinds of problems. Um, you, you don't know if it's low-income housing. They, there's a lot of programs that uh, that are initiated where you say, okay, we're going to, the city's going to give you this land if you build this type of, of property. So you have to be really careful about what you have in your neighborhood. So I don't live by Bay Meadows, but if I did live by Bay Meadows, and you hear about this racetrack that's going to become housing... I would get on eBay and find a rare extinct bug or near extinct dying bug and unleash it on the property and then get the environmentalist like, hey, look what I found. I found a dung golden beetle. And you're saying, golden beetle? You're watching Raiders Lost Ark. 
And then I would spread it to the newspapers, and development would stop because the rare golden beetle has just been found. Uh, on the more serious side... Wait, wait, I'm being serious. No, I know you are. Um, maybe ha- uh, create the law, you know, the community restricts the kind of properties that can be built. They, the, the lot sizes have to be a certain amount. It has to be conforming to the rest of the neighborhood. Those are some things that uh, communities can do to get together and and create, which would protect their values and protect their community. In my hometown, it's pretty tough to build new buildings, but In-N-Out Burger got approved, and everyone was so excited that In-N-Out got built, and they realized people yep. get off the highway to come to it. Really, the worst thing they can do as a homeowner is ignore those little pa- uh, ballots that come to your house, because they're they're announcing a new business. There was, you wait, know, wait, a wait, 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 I was talking about like In-N-Out Burger. I was done with my story. And they would say, uh, a new uh, In-N-Out uh, Burger is coming into your uh, neighborhood. You can... You can veto that. Okay. Thank you. Never talk over the the host. Rule number one. Rule number two? Refer to rule number one. So In-N-Out Burger comes to my my hometown. Everyone loves it. And then once it's up, they put a sign that's up too big. And everyone's like, oh, the sign's too big. You've destroyed our community. I can't see the hillside. It's like in Hawaii. Uh, There's a lot of uh, wind power turbines. And they're like, we, uh, we, uh, we, lo- we love our environment. We are environmentally friendly. And then once the wind turbines go up, they're like, oh, you can't see the hillside. <laughs> can't have it both ways. Can't have your dead cow burger that's cooked fresh every day. And not have your ugly signs to go with it. So, okay, I was at a bar. And then two real estate agents were sitting next to me. And one real estate agent said, I have to raise my rates. And he said, why? And he said, because three other companies are after me. And he said, really, what companies are, are looking to, for you? And he goes, the electric company, the telephone company, the gas company. The dun dunch. Sound effects galore. Galore. Or as French would say, galore. I'd have to say that real estate humor is one of the driest humor out there. <laughs> There's not a lot of it out there. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, with that out there, let's talk a little bit more real estate. Remember when you first started getting into real estate, like your just the concepts of it, or like maybe when you're starting to get hair on your body, you're 18 years old, you're using deodorant, and you'd hear like a balloon loan, and you go, "Ma'am, what's a balloon loan?" Because you're like, "Does it have a balloon? Is it, it really like?" There's some pretty funny terms. What are, what are some of the cuter terms that confuse you or that may confuse others? What is a balloon loan? I, I think the the, re- the real estate business in general has a lot of jargon that people don't understand, like debt to income, DTIs and LTVs and CLTVs and, and ratios, and guidelines. This, this is just crazy stuff that a lot of people just are now hearing over the last three or four years. Um, and it's intimidating. I was intimidated when I, got, uh, when I did my first house, uh, but I relied a lot on the person that I worked with. And it was scary. That was the scariest part because I didn't know if this guy was going to take advantage of me. I didn't know how to shop. The Internet was just kind of its, in its early stages, and, and even if I did know how to use it, there wasn't a lot of information out there. Now there's so much more information out there. There's great websites to go to. Like? Mortgageprofessor.com. That's one. MTGprofessor.com. One of the best websites out there. It's done by a professor in, I think, Minnesota, uh, a teacher of real estate there. And he, uh, it's a great website. Any, anybody should go to a website and learn how to uh, do a real estate transaction and learn these types of things you're going to run into. It's probably the biggest transaction in your life. And people don't understand the terms like balloon loans and arms and APR and what it all means. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. 
six points, a gain of 0.8%. That's our Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. And I heard radio station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money investing more. A couple things that I despise in real estate. I despise people who put an IRA or put real estate into an IRA. An individual retirement account is tax advantaged. Real estate has a lot of tax advantages. And you can lose those tax advantages by putting it in an IRA. If you go to a fair, and I know you're saying a fair, yeah, like a wine and art fair, anywhere that has a booth, sometimes you'll find people that buy a booth that are like, put your house in an IRA. And they're just trying to get the transaction. Buy real estate in an IRA. Just trying to get a transaction. I guarantee if you ask any of them what college did you go to, the answer would be, I didn't go to college. They're not very educated people. The rules for IRAs allow for a myriad of investing opportunities beyond stocks and bonds. Don't do it. There's a lot of aggravations. Owning property in an IRA negates all the familiar tax benefits. You can't deduct property taxes or mortgage interest. You can't take advantage of depreciation. You and your relatives are barred from occupying or working on the property. So forget the free rent or sweat equity. Every dollar you invest in the property plus expenses such as roof and furnace repairs must come out of the IRA. It's difficult to get a mortgage to finance real estate inside an IRA. Most people purchasing distressed property works out much better for them if they want to outside of a retirement account. Don't put it in an IRA. So that's one thing that pisses me off about the real estate industry is how much bad advice out there by non-educated, financially-minded people there are. It's sad. It's tragic. Tony Mendez, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Anything that annoys you in the world of real estate? Yeah, the, the advertisements. How about loan shoppers? Oh, yeah, the advertisements. Advertisements, the, the, um, be, because, you know, nobody knows. The, the only thing that's supposed to go next to a raise is an APR, and nobody knows what that is. Nobody knows that if it's a the 4% only thing that rate and, okay. and an APR that goes next. Yeah, that's really the only thing that's required to go. They, and it's supposed to represent the cost of the loan. But not a lot of people know how to really figure that out. Not only that, the people who are, at, are writing the APR don't know how to calculate the APR correctly. So it's misinformation. And I, I think there's, it's more about the misconceptions people still have about real estate. It's, they're still quite uneducated about what the process and how hard and difficult it has become over the last few years. Uh, and there are a lot of people out there that are looking for transactions. They're looking to just pop these transactions um, and trying to get you in the door. Um, there's these there's these formulas that banks have come up with that if we do this kind of advertising, we we'll get this kind of as many clients because people trust banks more often, and usually they're not the right place to go to. I think shopping is one of the things that people still do wrong. Shopping for jewelry, people do wrong. Shopping for mm-hmm. rates is wrong. And what you're talking about the advertised rate, it's kind of bogus. Like I get mail every week. I can get you a 2.9. Five percent thirty-year mortgage. All you have to do is call me. Yeah, and no matter how you present it, no matter if, if it's me telling people that oh, shopping, you know, it's difficult, and you're gonna look out for the swarmy guys. I all of a sudden sound like I'm a swarmy guy trying to get something. 
from you. So it, it's really difficult for people to figure out what's the right source. Um, again, go do the research. It's can great. You, can you treat swarming with penicillin? Probably. Penicillin kills everything. Does it? Practically. Well, that's good to know. Let's go to a phone caller, 800-516-1220. So any advertised rate, the guy on the radio who says it's the biggest no-brainer of the world, he can't say that he can get your rate at 2.9%. And just making Tony's point, because it's all up to you. The rate that you get is based on your credit score, your income, your ability to pay it back, and your collateral. So you could get a 2.95% if you're perfect in every one of those, or you can get a 6% if you're not perfect in every one of those. It's Salvador in Sacramento. Salvador? Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good, Salvador. How are you? Good, good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I promise I won't um, faint and hang up on you this time. Yeah, don't mess this up because I know where you live, or at least the general area. Watch, watch. You live in Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, in the ghetto. So, get out. it. Do you see that every day you go home? <laughs> no, but uh, I get to I get to see it. Bruce Springsteen. Live. Um, Cartman once did a version of In the Ghetto from Bruce Springsteen. Awesome. Oh really? Yeah. Young boy. Oh, my to do list. Then. Young boy cries. Young boy dies. In the ghetto. But go ahead. What's your question? What's your thought? What's your prayer? Um, I have two questions. One. Um, uh, I, w- I would love to get your opinion on VWO, Vanguard's Emerging Market. I know it's going through a change, though, so I'm not sure quite what that, what that means. You should stay away from it. I'm still looking for a fund for international to get out of our core account. My wife's a state worker, so I wasn't sure if that's a good one or if not, maybe what you'd recommend. And then number two, um, what's the proper or rough percentage that your transaction fee or the commission should be for your regular, you know, contributions when buying ETFs or commissions. Like if we say $500 and buy an ETF, it's roughly 1.7% of that money goes to that fee. Is that too much? Should you be saving more before you regularly contribute to, you know, to different different holdings? Um, so I'd like to get off on that as well. Yeah, and thanks for the call. Um, there is something that's happening right now that how much should you pay? A lot of ETFs are absolutely free now for you. What happens is like Schwab announced ETFs are free. How many? 105 of them or something like that. Um, ETFs from PowerShares, from Guggenheim, from ETF securities, from commodity funds. And they're absolutely free to you. The transaction's free, but the fees inside of it, some of them go to Schwab. So they're making their money on the back end, so to speak, versus you guy who's doing the transaction on the front end. TD Ameritrade has more than 100 commission-free ETFs. Fidelity's got 30 iShare ETFs that can trade for free. So the transaction cost could be as little as nothing, depending on your broker. Now, the management fees inside the exchange-traded fund, so let's say you're looking at an exchange-traded fund that's tied towards emerging markets. Okay, emerging markets cost money. Like, if I want to go buy an Uzbekistan Quickie Mart, I know you're saying, careful, careful, you're bordering on some sort of nationalist racist comment. So if I want to go buy a Quickie Mart company, let's say Uzbekistan has a Quickie Mart company that's publicly traded. Um, I don't know how to do that. Like, I've never been to Uzbekistan. So you have to pay a management. Someone has to figure this out, and someone has to buy and sell it. 
So there's some transaction costs, but in your case, VWO, Vanguard World Index, it's one-fifth of 1%. So out of every $100 you invest, 18 pennies, roughly one-fifth of 1%, which would be 20 pennies, 18 pennies goes to the fees. You can live with that. Trust me, any number under 1% is, again, it depends on what you're getting. Like, for me to get, like, a, a manager that's not indexing, but he's actively managing, you're going to pay 3 4 5% in an emerging market. It's going to be high because he actually has to put boots on the ground of that country and go to the Uzbekistan quickie mart and figure out is it selling stuff or not. Um, boots on the ground. hate that phrase. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with the Vanguard emerging markets as long as it's an asset accumulator. As long as you know the down years are the years that you should be happy about because you're young and you're accumulating good assets. Um, it's not the greatest fun. It's not the worst fun. AM 1220, KDOW. AM 12. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Every now and then I go into conversations about real estate because it is part of your financial plan in your future. I was speaking with Tony during the break, and one of the nice things about real estate is it allows you to sell real estate without selling real estate. So when you get equity built up in your home, refinance some of that out. Go buy another piece of real estate. You just sold your house, and that's fine. Or you put another mortgage on it, and that's fine. But it allows you to use that to buy another property. So you just suddenly made a property. You know, earlier in the show I was talking about, and those of you in Seattle don't know this because you weren't listening because I was on, but I was talking about how I love dividend stocks or I like dividends because money makes little baby monies. They have unprotected yield, you know, things going on. So if you have $100 today and you get a 5% yield over the year, it's $105, but next year your $100 gets 5% again, so that's $5. But your $5 gets 5% yield, too. So that money just made little baby money. Dividends are really, really powerful. Same thing with real estate. I have no problem with you looking at it as, hey, you got some equity. Look at it as it yielded a $100,000 gain, and now go take that $100,000 gain and buy another piece of property. Now, again, I'm not saying blindly do this. But that's the basic concept is that you can take money out of your house. Um, a lot of financial planners do that. But you have to be smart about it, of course. You can't just do it blindly. I, For instance, in the rentals that I have, I'm a uh, management company. So I'm a big fan of management companies uh, as far as investment properties go. Or another investment property is if you have a career. Let's say you work for uh, a big real estate company. Buy your own office property and pay your pay your own rent. I like doing that as well. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Uh, anything jumping out in the world of money and lending? Well, you were talking about in, investing, and in, in, as when rates are low like this, and you have properties that uh, in your portfolio, say you have a couple investment properties, and you're looking to trim off 
I think it's a great idea, and as with the rates where they are, it gives you the opportunity to be creative with it. Uh, maybe extend your term out again, keep the payments the same, and maybe pull out twenty, thirty, forty grand, or a hundred grand, whatever it takes to get into another property and make that cash flow. I think people, when they buy property, they just like what you teach when you buy stock. You have to have a plan. You have to have a reason why you buy it and a reason why you would sell it. And you have to have some sort of, for the theme of the day, we'll use manifesto um, of, of why you have that property. And then continue to to, to um, follow that. Uh, you know, with the rates as low as they are, I think everybody that has rental property right now should be looking at some sort of strategic plan in in and looking at their retirement and seeing how it fits in. If they're not, I think they're, you, you, you have to go back and look at why you bought it. I'm with you. But, yeah, the, the, what I get out of real estate right now, it's, rates are low, and it's a great opportunity to manage your, your debt, manage your mortgage. You know, one of the things that I did when I bought a house that I'm most proud of is that I had a contractor come out and, you know, basically evaluate the quality of the home. A lot of times in a buyer's market, you don't have the you have the ability to do that, but in a seller's market, they're not going to wait for you to like check the property, see if there's cracks in the foundation. They'll say as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if you buy it as is, still have a contractor come out and take a look at the house and tell you like when I bought my house four years ago, five years ago, um, contractor Skip Walker came out and said uh, um, he's a home inspector. It's like your roof's going to last five years. So in my head, I'm like, well, I better start saving for a roof. And not knowing how much a roof costs, I looked up how much a roof costs. So it's, it's some dumb things to do with real estate that I really, really like. Home inspectors, uh, if you find a good one, they're worth their, their money because they tell you what your costs are going to be down the road. Um, absolutely. Uh, discount rate. What's a discount rate? What's that word mean? A discount rate. You mean like buying points? Yeah. Uh, it, it, you're basically prepaying the lender some interest to get a lower rate. Uh, and usually there's a payback period associated with that, meaning if you got this rate for lower cost or this rate in buying points, um, what's the payment difference divided into the cost, and it gives you a payback period. Uh, paying points is us- generally used when rates are going up so that you can continue getting lower rates, and it's used on purchases, people that get concessions from sellers, which you might not get in this kind of market right now, this, this seller's market, but if you do get some concessions, you can use those towards paying points, and, and you, the seller's basically paying your cost and getting you a lower rate and saving you money. So points, points or discount points, um, and they can be written off as well on a purchase that year and on a refinance over a period of a long period of time. But if you do refi, you get to pay those off and uh, write those off in that year. So there's some advantages in paying points. It's something you have to analyze. Um, I paid a point when I got, when I did my loan because I knew that I was going to get below market rates, and it is a way to get below market rates. Okay. And as opposed, you, you could this, well, say for example, no, you want to. No, oh, I'm talking. Uh, an, uh, Thank you. Um, I got an email recently from someone who said, I've never paid points. And I instantly said, that's funny. I've always bought points. I've always bought my loan down. Iro- not ironic, just a coincidence, but some people are locked into I don't want to, I, I just want to get this over with. You get into the lending process, the mortgage process. You find out it's longer than you want right, it to right. be. Yeah. And then they love you in the first conversation. And then by the 40th conversation, as you're requesting some additional documents, they basically don't even want to talk anymore. They're just like, just give me the loan. Just give it to me. Just I'll do whatever you ask. Just put the paperwork in front of me. That's a, a, the difficult part about this industry right now is that uh, people are really running into some brick walls. Lots of speed bumps, lots of documents that they, they've never had to do. And the same thing with people who, who didn't have to pay points. You might have to pay points to get your lower rate. 
But it's also a, a tactic that we, we talked earlier about how banks have a formula that says that if we do this kind of marketing, no points or no closing costs, we're going to get this much return. And right. those are the kind of people that are doing that. In reality, there's – and no offense to the people who pay points, there's – more smarter ways to get a lower rate and, and smarter ways that aren't presented to you. And this is the flaw in the industry is there's are, there are people that um, aren't presenting this. They, you're not getting the options. And that's one of the reasons why I do not like using banks uh, for real estate transactions. I think banks are put, where a place you put money. I think a real estate transactions done with a realtor and a good loan broker yeah. or a banker. Not a banker, a banker and a banker, two different things. Uh, because they're they're professionals, they're people who are trained and and licensed, and usually stay in the business for a, a very long time, and they're with a great company. Uh, and today is even better because a lot of those other bad people have gotten weeded out. Let me add a little color. I went into my bank yesterday, deposited some money, and uh, the teller was just this really really cute, adorable 18 year old girl, fresh out of high school. Right, this is her first job. She go around telling people she's a banker. If you ever look around a bank, like there's someone there that sells mutual funds, there's someone there that does loans. If you ever look around a bank, it's a lot of young meat. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of young meat. It's like you see a guy who does uh, uh, the real estate, the mortgages for the company, for the Bank of America or Wells Fargo, and you meet him and you're like, I bet that's your first suit. Ah, that's so cute. You got that at JCPenney's, didn't you? You see a lot of that. And again, I'm not saying the, the bank is a meat market, but the bank is kind of a meat market. It's a lot of young people. A lot of turnover. A lot of turnover, a lot of first jobs. It's like I get asked all the time, you know, my financial advisor with Bank of America, I mean, you walk into a local bank and you use that as a finance, that person has no experience. He's told a set of parameters of what he can and can't say. Then you have to – it's it's bank with a bank and nothing else with a bank. Yep. So don't get your loan through a bank. Um, but man, she was cute for an 18 year old. I'm like, she's going to find a husband soon because that's what she's looking for. It really is strange when they're offering you these, you have this, you know, a young person, a woman or a man offering you a, a product that you're like, wait a minute, shouldn't there be some sort of like bank manager saying, would you like this high yield CD or something like that? It just doesn't, doesn't really make sense. And I think that's what a lot of people feel when they get to a bank. Not only that, it takes a heck of a lot longer. They just don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So. That's my opinion. I'm with you. It's I've come up with a conclusion recently that I want my dentist to be like 30, 40. I want them to have like skills with technology because there's a lot of new dental technologies out there. Mm-hmm. I oftentimes say I want my, um, you know, lenders to be, you know, you're a good age for a lender, anywhere between 20 and 50. I don't want people set in that old school pattern of this is how business is done because business isn't like I, we talked a little earlier in the show. You can now get exchange rate funds for free. Mm-hmm. You could buy and sell your investments for free. Um, now, again, there's fees involved with management, but Vanguard's got pretty cheap ones, for instance. So there's, you can almost invest at no cost now. That's not bad for the average person. So anyway, um, I talked about taking money out of a house and putting that money in other places. Recently, you know, I looked at my equity. I'm like, should I take some money out and get another place in Tahoe, a place in uh, Santa Barbara? It's like it starts to click through your head. How easy is it to cash out, to get money out? Because I remember home equity lines of credit were crazy easy. Do you, do you remember the, when we were on the plane and we were sitting next to a guy who... We're on, what, what plane ride? We were out going to North Carolina. Okay. And the guy sitting next to us was a real estate um, 
loan officer, I think, and, and he, what they would, his company would solicit people that had money in their house. And he was promoting, take money out of your house and go buy houses elsewhere. And he would do the whole transaction for you, even find the house for you, and then FedEx all of the paperwork back to you. And he'd do two transactions. He'd, he'd do the one to take the money out of your house and then, tip, and then do the transaction on the new loan in that state. Um, I don't think people need to be that aggressive. I think that that was a sales tactic, and I think they probably did pretty well, not in the last five years, but they did pretty well back in you know pre-2007. Um, Taking money out of your house, I, I think you have to look at the, the tax benefits. Um, I think people tend to not really look at their portfolio. Let's say you have two or three properties, and then you uh, you want to take money out of one and put it into another. In reality, maybe sell that and buy up and get a bigger one and better one in a better neighborhood. So I think you always have to just manage your, your, your real estate portfolio. Helps to have smart friends. Yep. You're listening to me, Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, and Wall Street Business Network. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Last year, $125 million was spent on home renovations. Will that money pay off? The answer is usually not. The only renovation that is truly going to upgrade the value of the house is replacing the entry door replacement. Typically costs about $1,100. It adds value to the home of about $9,000. It's an odd one. But decks and kitchen remodels and siding, you don't get the dollar in, doesn't equal a dollar twenty-five out. Um, something I want to throw out about that is the housing market's improving. Last year, $125 million was spent on renovations. You could probably expect similar numbers this year. Home Depot and Lowe's will continue to be in business. And short term, they've got a catalyst. Because if home values are going up, people say, like, you know what? I'm going to go uppy my kitchen. Yep. You know my favorite remodel in a house, right? The toilet. The toilet. Gold toilet <laughs> with a bidet. I like that little water down there. Uh, I think we dropped two million. I think home. more people should put a little water down there. Pre-wipe. 2012, 2 million homeowners um, less underwater. So we're building tons of equity right now, and I think it's it's in the billions of dollars. Um, so yeah, home equity is is definitely something that was a driving force in the economy back in the early 2000s. Um, we went from a credit, mm-hmm. where a lot of people were doing a lot, uh, spending a lot of money on credit, to the, then we, they did equity. So then we had a recession. Now we're looking more back towards that equity. Type of um, inflationary do- dollars. Pooping on a gold toilet with a bidet just it makes How me happy. How can I be serious when you're talking about a toilet? Well, a couple of years ago, I learned the the joys of wet wipes versus dry wiping. Have you ever wet wiped? Not on Ladies purpose. And gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by.
So the remodeling industry, $125 million last year, growing at about 20% in the healthy housing market. But you threw out a number in California about how many houses were paid for in cash. One-third, one I think it was 147000 in 2012 were paid in cash. In cash. Can you imagine? One-third of all transactions. I think I want to be cool. I, I think I want to start carrying around like duffel bags of cash. That's a lot of cash to pay four houses with. Yeah, you, not everybody is actually they're buying any cash, but they're also doing something called delayed financing. And this is a tool that I recommend to anybody that's an investor. Number one, you're going to get house faster. Number two, you might get it cheaper. There's a good percentage uh, chance you're going to get it cheaper. And two, you just do delayed, delayed financing. Um, normal guidelines say you have to wait six months in order to get cash back. The delayed financing from Freddie, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac allow you to get the money back within six months. And you have to do it within six months, and you get up to 75 80% of what you put into it. So a lot of people are do, using cash, buying a property, and then refinancing the cash back out, making a cash flow. So when remodeling the house, one of my pieces of advice is purchase the stuff yourself and let the contractor install it. Contractors will, I'm not going to say use the word rape because rape is such a serious word, but they will rape you on, you, on cost. You know those handyman companies? Yeah. Uh, if you were to call a handyman company and ask them to replace a light bulb, they will go to Home Depot, they'll buy a light bulb, and they'll give you an invoice. Their, their standard markup is double the price of what they spent over at Home Depot. So, yeah, don't buy it on your own. Be a good customer. The homeowner contract report tends to start out nice but ends up somewhere between mean to nasty. I had a contractor who came in and he was just lazy. Like I liked him at first, but he didn't like, he lived in Santa Cruz. He didn't like coming over the mountain. Yeah. He read the plans wrong a couple times. Like uh what was the movie? Uh you'll know this. Oh, Spinal Tap. Where they order a six inch they're trying to get, like, a Stonehenge or something, scale size. He read it in inches instead of feet. Right. He was making some, plan- some mistakes. I was like, you know, my countertop's supposed to be four feet tall, not four inches tall. Just so you know. He's like, oh, oh. So make sure your contractor knows the difference between inches and feet. Especially if he's European, because then the whole translation thing kind of gets lost with kilograms as well. Um. Let's, do we want to talk real estate agents? We've got two minutes. What do you want to talk about? Talk about anything you want. I like talking about... I know we can talk about anything. How difficult it, I, I, I still think there's a lot of misconceptions in the, in the industry. One of them that it's still pretty easy. Um, and people, A-paper clients, think that it, they're still A-paper clients. They aren't. There's always some sort of bone that gets thrown into the fan. And... Uh, you have to be prepared and 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 have your hope for the what's the expression? Plan for the worst, hope for the best, um, and it really is that uh, in the industry right now. Uh, you, you're going to run across underwriters just picking your file apart, and it takes it takes longer, especially if you're going to purchase. Really get over prepared, um, and this is a you know this, this is the year of the buyer again. Last year was a great year for the buyer. This is another year for the buyer. We know rates. That's great for the buyer. I've seen houses that have twenty right. bids on it. It, yeah, there's not a lot of inventory out there, oh. but if you can find it, you're getting a you know it's usually a pretty good deal compared to, compared to our long term graph. Um, rates are low. That's the other reason you're buying you're, and you're locking in a 30 year fixed rate at a, at a super low rate. That's never going to change. So you're the buyer. Yes, it still is. You're the investor. Rents are going up. 
So there's a lot of these people buying investment properties, and they're locking in these low rates. So get prepared. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com. My Twitter's Twitter handle is Rob Black Show. I'm kind of a big deal. I have my own Twitter handle, Rob Black Show. I have my own YouTube channel as well. I have a channel, Rob Black Show. I'm very important. You can subscribe to it and do me a favor. So I can tell people I've got 53 people as subscribers to my YouTube channel. Sign in as BarryLoneSource.com. You can find him at BarryLoneSource.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.